Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not, to tell you the truth. And this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter than traditional shampoo. And unlike conditioners, it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy. Like, you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McIlroy had it once too, where it's just like a, a mop on your head. You don't want that. And if you use modern mammals, that's not going to happen. It's designed to make your hair feel thicker. And my hair at the moment feels so thick, you can't even pull it out. Plus, the products are easy to rinse out, so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down. So, Go to ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to another edition of the Dog or Pass podcast. It's International Fight Week, UFC 239, Jones versus Santos in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been down to this horse and pony show many, many times. It seems like it's uh, slowing down a little bit, Cody Safdick. Maybe, maybe the momentum of the UFC as a company is slowing down. And I say that because releasing people like John Lineker is bad for business. 100%. They used to do two cards. For this week, there was back to back nights, back to back nights, and there was usually uh, I went to a lion fight uh, Muay Thai at the Pearl at the Palm, so I, I did like three fights and three nights. You went, one to a, time. you went to a funeral too while you were down there the one time, yeah. yeah Frank versus BJ Penn yeah, three. The, I, thought, I never thought I would see BJ the, the Penn trilogy again after that. that literally nobody had ever asked for. Arguably, I saw two funerals because there was also Justin Scoggins against Dustin Ortiz, he was minus 300. And I told my buddy, main event Kent. I told him, I'm like, there's no way this kid loses. You were high on Scoggins. I was so high on Scoggins. And he got out scrambled with the scrambled master. Yeah, that was a good fight, actually. He didn't get choked out at least that fight. No, no, hey! no. Close decision. All right, so uh, let's get into the winners here and stuff. Uh, last week, there was an effort. There was an effort put forward. Nothing that uh, our boy Chad is willing to change. He's picky, apparently. He's very picky. He's not willing to change his. It's C H H A D D. I think there's a bunch of more. That D's is his Twitter and handle. A bunch more so H's. Chad. Say it again. Chad. <laughs> that was the best one. 
So that's that's, that's what he's, he's sticking with. But we had to give out a winner, and it was John twenty thousand and seven. John underscore twenty thousand seven. Congratulations. Twenty DK dollars are in your account this week. We're gonna have some more John underscore twenty thousand and sevens or one at least. Um, everyone knows I'm a John Lineker guy. He's my boy. I wake up this morning. I see the news that he has been released from his contract. I went through like a lot of stages of emotions. All, um, emotional try or uh, you know just an emotional wreck. Basically, the I woke of up. I was angry. Then I was something like then I was like remorseful, and then I was just like, hopefully everything's okay with my boy Johnny. Haven't heard from him, and then I, I posted a tweet. It wasn't anything too bad, but my general consensus is that the UFC is dying. Um, you yeah. don't you you can't get rid of an action fighter like that, right? Like but, the fans. But, but, how but, out of touch are but, you? But how we, out of touch are you to, we to cut a guy like this? We don't know the whole story, Paul. Sean, yeah, I, which is why this week's contest this week is. What is your greasy theory on what the story the is? Why exactly? The is it roids? Is it some type of assault charge? Is it something more sinister than that? He's Brazilian. Did he shoot somebody? Who knows? He hasn't posted anything on social media. So yeah, give the episode a like. No, no, nothing is possible without that. Leave your DK handle and write your greasy theory. Ideally, write greasy theory Along with my greasy theory is, or this is my greasy theory, or greasy theory alert, John Lineker busted for PEDs. Um, but they, you know, it's weird that they kind of let him, they just let him walk. So maybe he only had one fight left his contract. I don't know. I don't know all the details behind it, but it's bullshit, Cody. Yeah, yeah. It's I bullshit. Would, and I'm I upset about it. I, I want to have more John Lineker in my life. I know somebody I, I is going think, to sign him. Yeah, and, I was just going to say that. And I, he's going to have violent, like he's going to have violent fights wherever yeah. he goes. I would think you wake up and are very sad, but I would think 1FC, Bellator, PFL, KSW, Ryzen, I would assume all of these places wake up and are like, fuck yeah. Why would they cut this man? Who knows? And if it is a steroid thing, who cares? Most of those other places don't really take it as seriously as the UFC. So, yeah, I don't know. John Lineker. It's a, it's a shame because I know he's your boy. And uh, all around, it's a tough day in Toronto. Should, fucking 35 degrees out, man. Should be everywhere. Harder than Derek Lewis's balls out there. So, <laughs> let's get to the action here. And uh, I got a train to catch at some point, but we'll, we'll get through it. Yeah, before we get to that, we just have to say odds and lines are subject to change. See website for actual odds. If you or anybody you know have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. John Jones takes on Tiago Santos in the main event of UFC 239. John Jones is 9,600. A minus six fifty favorite. Diego Santos sixty six hundred and plus four seventy five. I mean, it's a classic case of the you know it's a um, yeah, puncher's chance fight essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like which every John Jones fight is, might I add. That's yeah. the only way to seemingly defeat the guy is you have to have a puncher's chance. They got a guy that's got it. But that's literally the only path for most. You could guys. make an argument that maybe you could beat him with volume, maybe. <sighs> I think he would step up his game to fight you to your he's level. He's so smart he, in there. Alexander Gustafson in the first time tried to. That's what I'm him, saying. Is like that like that was like the closest? The guy's a specimen. Besides taking twelve to six elbows, we don't really know. What yeah, the, yeah, The way to beat him is so. That is the way to beat him is to allow him to mount you, and then in a crazy emotional state, 
he gets himself disqualified. Yeah. Uh, he was minus 550 last night. Like the the number, absolutely. I, I parlayed him a little later down the card with Luke Rockles, who was minus 170 at that time. These Both of those lines have kind of moved. So. It was 170. So Rockles? obviously, I, I yeah, move yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, really do. It don't. was 525 Jones as well. But you have to realize yeah. at some point, people are going to hammer that. That is yeah, a fantastic the, price yeah. for, for the legitimate goat, not the joke goat like Artem, not like the I probably did earn this goat like Demetrius Johnson or Daniel Cormier, like the actual goat. Goat, like the guy that would kill all oh, like of those Khabib. guys. Khabib's right up there, but like John Jones has been doing this shit for a lot longer at a higher level than Khabib. And I'm willing, I'm willing to uh and, and also John Jones my, take off my fanboy hat for a second. Even here. you can admit that John Jones has never had a razor close decision against Glyson Tebow, right? So I mean, you know, he's John Jones. I know. So here's I, what I think. Here's what I think. I okay. think Jones the problem with Jones is that like a lot of the times he is like to fight. The type of fight that his opponent wouldn't think that they would want to fight. They will, he tries to beat guys at what they're best at. Glover Teixeira, he went into the pocket and was just like trading elbows and shots like that. Daniel Cormier was taking him down. Oh, that's the thing that makes you a little hesitant about John Jones here. Is just like, are you just going to stay at kicking range with Diago Santos? Because like, that's probably, you can totally win. You can win with your little sidekicks to the knees, everything like that. You know, evade anytime he takes a swinging, a, a spinning back kick to your to your dome, but like that's how you lose this fight, John Jones. Um, the the way you win this fight is you go in there, you feel out range a little bit, you shoot for a takedown, you take him down, you put this guy, you, you get grab like an anaconda, you grab a. Uh, a, uh, a Kimura, I, I would like just one punch, of those punch types him of moves, out, right? Just ground and pound him. But I think we can agree that the best path of victory here is yeah, to take him down. Mm-hmm. Does John like to play around out there? Loves does John it. love going for those kicks to the knee? Does John love doing all that? Yeah, yeah, he does. And is Tiago Santos the wrong guy to do that against? Yeah, he is. We've also seen John get cracked and never once has even seemingly gotten wobbled. No. Like there's not even a... Like it would have to be the perfect spinning back kick like he doesn't see it coming and like right to the temple. And this is the sport for that shit to happen. So yeah. I'm not I'm not completely writing off Tiago Santos, but he's just another long line of challengers that don't really have that much of a shot. He's got two things going for him. He's got the, the power punching ability, but there's no challengers in this division, no. which is why he's getting the shot. The guy who's fighting at 185 and getting knocked the fuck out by Dave Branch, and then he goes on a fun little winning streak at 205. And there's it, nobody it, else for him to fight. He, he gets out grappled in certain spots against Kevin Holland. Think about that. And doesn't finish Kevin Holland, by the way. He's got a suspicious gas tank, whereas John Jones seemingly this days wants to go 25. He's not even trying to finish you early. It's just he's 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 playing with his food, and playing with your food gets you knocked the fuck out. I just I don't know that this is the spot. But John Jones is probably one of the more villainous characters in MMA. And as such, people hate him. And as such, people want to see him get knocked out. And as such, people will bet the other side for no fucking reason. This is not the kind of situation, I think, where you bet Tiago Santos. But your hate for John Jones will say, you know what? I'll put five. I'll put ten on Santos by knockout and hope that John Jones, and if he doesn't, whatever. But if you're a fan favorite, people will bet you. And if you're if you're someone like Colby Covington, you should be betting on Colby Covington. If anything, he's probably burnt people for a lot of money because yeah. they hate him. And they fade him in spots where it's like, why are you fading him? He's got all the tools to win particular this particular matchup this is the same thing john jones is a little bit bigger he's a little bit faster he's got the wrestling edge he's got the cardio edge the one thing he does not have 
is the sheer power. But that being said, with Thiago Santos, he likes to get in there and he likes to brawl. But he gets in there and he's trying to brawl it up and he gets like effortlessly, it's UFC 200, there's a beautiful golden mat. He gets effortlessly tripped to the ground by Gegard Mousasi, who then folds him up with Mm -hmm. light ground and pound. That's like, oh, fuck, that was, I didn't really see that coming. I thought Mousasi going to win, but not like that. Then the Dave Branch fight, it's the same thing. It's like, he's weak on the ground, and if you hit him with a nice clean punch, you'll put him out. Now, when he goes out there against Jimmy Manoa, and he's slanging him, and he goes out there against Jan Blockwitz. By the way, he didn't start the Blockwitz fight very well. He just got the win. He's slanging them, and he catches you. Yeah, it's a great spectacular finish. It's something you can put on your highlight reel, but John Jones has got high ring IQ, and he's fighting to win. He's not fighting there to go entertain the masses he's fighting to win and that's what gets you the victory more times than not no doubt about it Tiago Santos is a fan favorite no doubt about it people are excited to see Tiago Santos in any fight but this is an uphill battle for him John Jones minus 650 listen it was 525 I believe he's like minus 250 and like after what happened against Lionheart last time out I know that Tiago I don't think Tiago Santos has any does not have a five round gas tank and I think he knows I think he's going to come out in this fight and it's going to be swanging. Like, he's coming out you, you, to, you to shock the so. world. You like, I don't think, think so. he's going to sit back there and try to You would think play so. But game. with John Jones, he's become unpredictable in whether he's going to go out there for the finish or not. He doesn't yep. mind laying back. Against Gustafson, the second time around, he gets the finish. But again, he gets the finish more so the fact that Gustafson's just not himself anymore. He's been off a long time as well because of the injuries. Fine. It's not the Anthony Smith fight that makes me worried of like, oh, dude, he more or less just went through the motions against mm-hmm. a journeyman opponent that had no business is challenging for the world title against him he just goes through the motion it's not that it's the osp fight a few fights back where he more than just goes through the against fucking another motions. opponent that we didn't think could go five rounds against another opponent that nobody saw everybody and their mother was on jones inside the distance yeah. because it was like how is osp gonna survive five and 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 jones is taking him down and he's just getting back up it's strange the anthony smith fight he takes him down and he has no ground and pound effort those slick little elbows it's like oh dude he's got good elbows doesn't throw them very often his range game it's based on kick kick touch touch he doesn't have one punch power he's a volume guy no doubt about it he's the greatest but he's not fucking mike tyson you know what i mean he, he's more of a guy that's gonna lay back and uh and pick you away so yeah i it, just it all, think it i just think john jones to, becomes a parlay piece you just yes, try to stay away from to, that try to stay away from the props Let's try to stay away from the props. Now, looking at it, 525, which was the best price you could have got him on it. Should have hammered it. 550 where it sat for a little bit, get it on it. 650, like it's starting to get in the range where who gives a shit? It's just a, you know, a high price. But it is John Jones. I'd play him all the way up to 750, 800. So if you want to get on him, that now's the time. Mm. Otherwise, it is not worth it. He's nothing other than a parlay piece. It's the 9600 on DraftKings. Here's a guy I'm very confident should get the win and should get the win potentially in style. But because it's so unpredictable with if he's going to put up a straightforward it's effort. It's going to be really, really highly owned too. When you look at like the top of the board, um, when you look at the top of the board here, you've got Edmund Shabazian, you've got um, Marlon Vera, like those are the two people who are closest to him. And who would you rather have, John Jones? Exactly. So people are all going to steam up to John Jones. Fading him could be like if he gets a third round finish or something. He plays with his food a little bit, gets a third round finish, scores like ninety points or something yeah, like that. Fair, fair. That Completely is like possible. that's the type of performance that that's a John Jones bust. You need him scoring over a hundred, and he doesn't always score over a hundred. No, no. If Tiago Santos goes out with the game plan of, I am going to bum rush this guy and go balls to the walls for five. And if I don't knock him out in five, I, I am going to tip over. and fall. Yeah, yeah. John's gonna, Jones is going to get the second round finish. Mm-hmm. Play Jones. 
It's just it's when you when you kind of play how the fight's going to play out in your head. There's many ways it could play out. All ways seemingly point towards John Jones getting the victory, but not all of them point towards $9,600 being a, a great tag on it. Plus, if he is super owned and he goes out there and wins, but doesn't score a high amount of points, you're going to be able to avoid that, get somebody else, save some money elsewhere, and hopefully defeat those lineups. Amanda Nunez takes on Holly Holm in the co-main event. It is the women's bantamweight title on the line. Amanda Nunez is obviously the champ champ with the bantamweight and the featherweight championships of the world right now. Uh, Nunez is 9,100, a minus 380 favorite. Holm is 7,100, plus 315 we got. Yeah, I'm the king of fading Amanda Nunez, but uh, yeah, I'm also the king of losing Manny trying to fade Amanda Nunez. Like, lesson learned. She's a... Uh, She's the real deal. I think there's ways to beat her. But uh, Holly Holm doesn't really present a whole lot of those uh, capabilities. Holly Holm, maybe she's a little bit faster. Maybe she plays that game plan we keep talking about. Guys like, you know, Al Jermaine or Elias Theodoru, Caitlin Chukagian, where she just tries to stay on the outside and just outwork her ever so slightly. I just don't see it happening. Because traditionally, when Holly Holm goes off against big power punchers that'll just stand in the pocket, she doesn't fully commit to reaching the target. She's almost like trying to pull out of the pocket before she fully commits to any of the strikes therefore she never lands she never landed nothing against Shevchenko she I, I didn't think even though two refs or two judges gave her a couple rounds against Cyborg I thought it was a abysmal effort and the Jermaine Durandamy fight is another classic example of a power puncher could be flat-footed and just stand there she won't commit to her strikes people think she won that fight people clearly scored some rounds against Cyborg I'm not impressed with what she's doing against that level of opponent even if you look at say the Bechko area fight She's not fighting a great fight until she head kicks her in the third round. Up until that point, it's just like, oh, man, is Holly done? We know that she's been at the top of the mountain. She's been there for a long time. But her biggest wins, namely this hey, Ronda Rousey Betch, fight. I ended up hitting her at you like minus, minus 170 after round two. After round two. And then she knocked her out like seconds later. It was the fastest money I'd ever made. But, yeah, just to put it in perspective of how, how she's reasonably close it was at that point in time. Yeah. Now, her last time out against Megan Anderson, people are saying, oh, maybe they're having the same talks. Jesus, Holly Holm a little over the hill. Oh, man, Megan Anderson's big and tall, and she's physically very strong. Holly Holm's just a boxer, a little bit of a kickboxer. Uh, how is she, how is she going to deal in a pure striking battle against Megan Anderson? Jesus, girl can grapple as well. And maybe that's part of the game plan here. Only man in Nunez is five yeah, no. times the grappler that Megan Anderson is. So good luck getting those takedowns on No. Her. And good luck holding her down, even if you are able to get her down. Now, maybe cardio is an issue. We all know that Nunez has got, uh, like, septum issues. She can't really breathe out their nose all that great. She just put on a whole ton of weight. She had to cut all of that weight to get back down to 135. She, she dusts Cyborg really fast. It's like maybe cardio is an issue, but... The time I tried to fade her on the basis of her cardio is going to let her out, which was the second Shevchenko fight, she won the fucking fifth round, which is what sealed her the decision victory. Even though I still thought she lost, that's what sealed her the decision victory. She came back on. So she's a champ champ. You know, she is the women's goat. She, she's probably the best one to do it. And even though somebody's going to dethrone her at some point, and maybe she gets lazy at some point, maybe being at the top of the mountain eventually gets you... I, I don't know. She is aging as well. It's just I, I think Holly Holm has faced opponents similar to this, and it's been the same result time in, time out. So 9,100, because she's the big favorite, she's the champ, I totally get it. She's got that big power. But knocking out Holly Holm is quite a task. I get it. And if Holly Holm doesn't engage her, it won't be a high-scoring affair. So I exactly. don't know that I would play Nunez exactly. on the 9,100. I agree. I agree 100% with that. Is that 
Holmes style. She's going to be on her bike, backpedaling, trying to counter. That. She's good at And that. her style is designed for this. I just think Nunez is going to be a little bit too much. She's going to... She's going to land. She's going to connect. And when she connects, it's going to be mu- the bigger, more significant strikes. But yeah, home home is almost what we like to call around these parts is DraftKings cancer to a degree. Is that she, her, her style is to back up against a pressure fighter and, and pick off shots. And then just try to just squeak out rounds. And that just kind of kills both people's totals. So, you know, maybe Nunez finds a way to get a takedown here. If she gets it to the ground, I... She's a black belt after all. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I just know don't know if she can find the submission. I think yeah. Holmes has been pretty well trained and well versed. I in also that respect. feel like she knows she has cardio issues, so she's not going to force takedowns yeah. and tie herself because that's she, how she tires herself more is by grappling. And that's exactly it. So I think she'll just stand her ground and she does a little bit of advancing. Holly Holmes backpedaling. Holly Holmes. Holly Holmes a great counterpuncher. It would be a good game plan, Holly Holm and her team, to say, "Hey, if she comes straight forward at us." We're just going to pivot off on angles and try to sharpshoot her. But we were unable to do it against Cyborg. In fact, we tried to grapple a little bit against Cyborg. I I, I don't know. Honestly, I just feel like all signs point to not the right time to try to go against Nunez. I'm not going to put a whole lot on Nunez because at 4-1, I'm I'm never going to be fully sold on her. I see the holes. Just no one's been able to exploit them to this point. At the same time, this is her fight to win. Passing the 9,100. I mean, like, Shevchenko has had the similar type of style. That's what I to mean. To what Holm did. And those are the closest fights. And that- Jermaine. Jermaine, Cyborg, and Shevchenko. It's like Nunez is in that class. She doesn't fight exactly like any of them particularly, but it's in that class. Holly Holm fights better against people who can't strike whatsoever, like Ronda Rousey. I'm or saying Mech Shevchenko Bohea, and Holm or- are very similar to each other. Shevchenko and Holm. Yeah. 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 Well, if that's if that's the case. Those were dicey close fights. Those were dicey close fights. And one girl is way, way undersized, so... I could see it being pretty, relatively close. Watch Amanda Nunez goes out. That's why. That's why. Out. That's why I'm passing on the DK line. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm gonna half pass. Like I'll have some small shares on some uh, some parlays. I but. mean, in GPPs, if you're fading the main event, you're just not playing anybody in the main or co-main event. That's probably gonna make you a pretty unique build right from the get-go. So. Here we are. Here we are. Making Here we are. This, this could this could this could really blow up on us, but or it could pay off. I like That's where, why we play. I like where our heads at. We have Funky Ben Askren taking on Jorge Masvidal. Ben Askren eighty seven hundred minus two twenty favorite. Jorge Masvidal seventy five hundred and plus one eighty. We got. Listen, it wasn't the sexiest way to get the win in his debut, but uh, Ben Askren did get the win, and I'm thankful for that because. The Ben train keeps on rolling. There's some factors in why he didn't look great in that fight. Uh, he'd been off for like two years. He'd been off for a long-ass time, right? He did look to be out of shape. Clearly had a lot of ring rust. But also, like, he had not fought in anybody like Robbie Lawler, you could argue, in his entire career. The only guys that he's fought on paper that are Robbie's, around Robbie's level is what? Korshkov and Douglas Lima. Besides that, it's like he's fought a decent amount of putzes and look good. So be, to be able to go with against Robbie, to get slammed on your head, to get up, to eat some sharp shots standing, to keep coming at him. And yeah, people will say early stoppage because of the bulldog, but it seemed like he was in on Robbie finally. He was having trouble getting a hold of him. He was trying to, you know, having trouble getting his underhooks. Robbie's he was having great, trouble getting the take, hips. Takedown defense. Robbie can wrestle, man. And yeah. that's exactly it. He's one of those guys that's got a really solid base, solid foundation, and he makes you pay. Like when you after come in Hendricks on. won, you just saw his takedown defense went. 
Yeah, that just became a focal point of Robbie. Good takedown defense, so you got to stand with him. And when you stand with him, good luck. You could beat him, but you could also, he could make you pay. And that's what makes him a fascinating fighter. Against Askren, as far as style matchups go, that's the worst style you could have given him. A guy that can sprawl and brawl, who's got massive amounts of power, who's fought in the UFC 20 times, who's been a world champion. Like, Robbie had all the... So, so Askren not looking great in that fight. I, I don't care. I feel like he got it under his belt. Even though he's starting to get a little bit older, this is his time to make his run. And I do believe that his style aligns with the styles that are victorious at this level. It aligns with the Colby Covingtons, and it aligns with the Ben Askrens, and it aligns with the Tatiana Suarez's, and it aligns with the Gregor Gillespie's. And if you have that big of a wrestling advantage on somebody, you take them down. Now, George Mosvidal, in some ways, is kind of like Robbie Lawler. He can wrestle. He's got good takedown defense. And he's a far, and I mean far superior striker to Ben Askren, as was Robbie Lawler. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, is that chain wrestling is going to fucking end him. He can stuff the initial takedown. Are you not? He wor- can in- stuff the initial two takedowns. But he, the chain wrestling will get him. That's what cost him against Damian Maya. He went four for 12. But the four takedowns he got him on, he got him on. Askren, you think he's only going to shoot 12 takedowns? He's going to be on Monsvidal, close the distance, don't strike with this guy, peel him to the ground, rinse and repeat. 8,700, I'll take it. 220, I'll take it. By decision, even better. I'll take it. Go on. Are you not concerned? Of course I'm concerned. It's a fist fight. <laughs> but go on. Are you not concerned that Jorge Masvidal spends his days hanging out with the great American winning machine, Colby Covington, who can probably mimic a lot of the things that Ben Askren is going to try to do to him? You know what? He also spends his days hanging out with the great wrestling machine, Yoel Romero. The fact is, is that just because you're hanging out with these guys, it's not going to change anything. George Monsvidal has been fighting his entire fucking life. I mean, he was literally fighting guys in backyards in Miami when he was like 15 years mm-hmm. old, up weight classes. He started out fighting in like Hook and Shoot, one of the original MMA promotions. Uh, does the whole Florida scene, Strike Force, UFC, fought Sengoku in Japan. He's not going to change who he is, and he's not a boring fighter, and he's not a point fighter. So there's no doubt about it that he has all those guys working his wrestling, and guys like Will Brooks, and guys that got some size that can wrestle. But there's also no denying that if you look at the stats on his career, he gets taken down pretty much Mm -hmm. in most of his fights. Maybe once or twice. And sometimes it's guys like Darren Crookshank is taking him down twice. Sometimes they're better guys, like Habalov, doesn't matter. Is that when you have a style that's exciting, that is sharp technical boxing and in and out, and sometimes he gets caught a little flat-footed, guys are going to shoot takedowns on you. His ability, though, is he's a great grappler. So even if he does get taken down, he doesn't take a whole lot of damage, and chances are he's going to work his way back up. But when you're Ben Askren, it doesn't matter if he doesn't take any damage or works his way back up. That's part of my style, too. I take you down, I don't really deliver a whole lot of damage, and when you work your way back up, I've made you carry my weight that entire time, I've tired you out, and now I'm just going to take you back down a second time. So it's the kind of matchup that Askren can score multiple takedowns. And to think that, yeah, I fully expect Masvidal to stuff. He's gonna takedowns. he's gonna hit him in the face, but if, but he's gonna he's gonna if get Ben can down. survive that onslaught from Robbie. God, it was close to being finished. And some refs may have finished that, or may have may have just called it off at one point. His head was bouncing around, like could be. We've seen when you watch when you, watch it, when you stop- watch it over and you know he wins. It's like, why would you stop that? But at the we've time, we've seen stoppages like, oh, no. that have been less than that. Sure. Let's just say that. Yeah, fair. I'm with. I'm on Askren too. I was just, you know, the fact that that Colby's out there. Colby's been really quiet recently. He's probably helping out our boy George. But hey, I hear. Okay, here's here's a greasy theory for you, Paul. I just made it up right now. Oh. Uh, 
George Masvidal is training with Colby Covington and Yul Romero, and he has got wicked wrestling getting ready for this fight. Or, crazy theory, Colby Covington's hurt, dude. Like, he's, he's, he's getting up there a little bit in age. The way he fights, his body is just tormented. He already made a, did an interview where he was like, I had to take time off. That's why he canceled that initial title shot against... Uh, against Woodley was he's like I need to take off after my last fight yeah, they tried like to shoulder me. surgery yeah and my, he says my body's shutting down from the weight cuts uh my body's shutting down and I had to get shoulder surgery okay now he comes back Woodley loses the title to Usman Usman takes the shot instead of Covington and now they say okay Covington Usman Covington again nowhere to be found now he's got to fight book sure but he's banged up he hasn't put the full camp in with him and yo Romero Motherfucker just won $22 million, Paul. You think he's in the gym grinding every day? No mas. No mas. I got Askren. People hate Askren. That's how I feel like it's getting a good No, price. people love no, Askren. No, dude. People hate Askren. Dude, he's MMA got a hipsters love. I forget who was mentioning that. Like uh, Askren's fans are thing? MMA hipsters. You got your hat on backwards. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, maybe. look at the, you I look like, like the, the, I the perfect like picture winning. for an Askren fan. I like winning, Paul. Do you know how many guys? <laughs> or it looks like that's a uh, Make America Great Again and you're a Colby Covington fan. I'm not too sure. I am a Colby Covington fan. That has yeah. nothing to do with the Make America. Listen. You're, you got the red hat on. I that's, love guys that go out there and win and win convincingly. And as much as I'm a fight fan... If I have money, especially good money, and I'm backing them, I, I don't care if it's the most exciting fight in the world. I want them to fight a good game plan. You know who used to be the pay-per-view king before Connor shattered that? But it was George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre, awful fights. Awful fights. But he dominates. There's something to be said about domination. Your boy Khabib. Now he seems to be a little more exciting. But what they used to say about him, Paul? Super boring. What they say about Covington? Super boring. What'd they say about Ben Askren? Super boring. What are they starting to say about John Jones? Guy's kind of boring. Winning is boring, dog. If you want to go out there and slang and bang, you can be Polo Reyes and Little Dong, but where are those guys in their careers? Right, because they're not winners. They're entertainers. These guys are winners. Or John Lineker, you get cut. Oh, and he's a winner and an entertainer. That's why those guys are the diamonds. You don't let go of those guys. And he's not particularly old. He's not getting knocked out. Uh, very weird that he pulls out of his fight with Rob Font with a facial laceration while cutting weight. Yeah. I got a greasy theory for we that, can, but put it in the comment section. Put that in the comment section so you can get some DK dollars. Let's Anyways, to wrap this up, I just think Ben Askren's wrestling is going to be too much for Masvidal. Maybe this is not a pretty fight. Stick on him often. Takedowns. I'll play him on DK. I don't mind 220 because it's better priced than the first two fights anyways. So whereas I pass on Jones, pass on Nunez, as far as like the DKs, like you were saying, we're going to fade those guys, go away from the high ownership maybe. Mm -hmm. Which is terrifying, but... Ben Askren is one of those guys. It's a good GPP uh, move, to be honest. Guess only time will tell. We got uh, Luke Rockhold taking on Jan Blahovich. Luke Rockhold, eighty four hundred minus two thirty favorite. Blahovich, seventy eight hundred plus one ninety. Luke Rockhold, obviously former middleweight champion, moving up to two hundred five. This will be his first time at two hundred five. Haven't really seen many pictures of him. It'll be interesting to see him step on the scales and so on and so forth. I. Uh, obviously, this guy has had some issues with his chin. He's been wobbled a lot. Michael Bisping took the title off of him by landing left hook Larry on that thing. And, yeah. you know, uh, moving things up. Things you didn't see coming. Moving up 20 pounds. Uh, the guy is already, already a, a super athlete. He, he started to, like, really not, like, make his attacks a lot less complicated. It was basically, 
you know, the shovel, shovel right hook, straight left, and then that body kick. But um, if this guy used to in strike force, he had spinning kicks, a lot of different, he has a lot of other tools. Maybe he uses those tools up here and uses the mm. uh, uses his speed advantage because yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be a gonna massive have to. speed advantage, I think, over Jan. Jan's not exactly a vicious power puncher. He hasn't knocked out too many guys in his career. I really like this spot for Rockhold. He actually was down at around minus 170. I parlayed him and Jones. The price is kind of gone right now from where it was last night. It was actually our boy Pogi Rob. Told me about it. I'm like, ah, I don't want to make any bets until I talk to Cody. But then I was like, ah, these prices may be gone. They're so moving. They're moving. They're fast. moving real fast. Um, I like Rockhold. I think he has. Like, if if we knew that his chin was going to be solved, which we don't, um, he'd be like minus 500 here. I think we're talking of a different breed of athlete, athletic ability with Luke Rockhold, a former champion, and uh, a top 10 gatekeeper in Jan Blachowicz at 205 pounds. Give me Rockhold all day. Yeah, MMA is a cruel bitch because you could have it all, and if you can't take a punch, then, you know, what What do you realistically have? Here's a hot take I, I would assume most people are not going to agree with. I would assume maybe nobody agrees with, but I'm truly sold on this. I think pound for pound, notwithstanding ability to take a punch, Luke Rockhold, skill-wise, is the most skilled fighter I've ever seen what can this guy not do mm-hmm. he's a fantastic striker he really is he's a fucking awesome. awesome grappler in his wrestling he doesn't get taken down very often his offensive wrestling slick when the fight hits the ground if he's on top of you oh my god good mm-hmm. luck and this is rest, rest in peace chris weidman yeah and that's what i'm saying like this is destroying high level guys his long lanky frame is the perfect mold for a fighter i truly do believe that he he's got it all the one thing is, in striking, there's that little opportunity for him to get hit. And when he gets hit, he gets knocked the fuck out. There's no denying that the skill's there. He was a favorite against Yoel Romero. A convincing favorite over Yoel Romero. I thought he was winning. I think most people thought he was winning. And Yoel Romero went off on him. But it's Yoel. You give him a break. The Michael Bisbing one, Round it's like... Romero is It's like, dude, Bisbing... Legendary. Yeah, Bisbing was on short notice. He was shooting the Triple X movie in Toronto... And he was doing cocaine in a nightclub. Like, literally, like, two weeks fucking Greasy before theory. that fight. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Greasy theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, and he knocks him out. So it's not even so much of, like, the talent has to be there. It's like, you just need to land on this guy, and he's going to go down. That is a problem at 205. But they're slower at 205. So like you said, he's going to have to use his speed. He's going to be way faster than them. He's got to fight smart fights now, which is why I think he reeled back on the menu size of his striking selection. He used to throw the spinning back kicks. He used to kind of get in there. He used to mix it up a little bit. He used to throw a naked, like a check, like open door swinging handle, like a left hook. The problem is, is they would fucking knock him out when he would do it. But stuff like that, when you can take a punch, when you can roll, you get away with it. As you get a little bit older, as you get chin checked a couple times, you can't do it. So he's smart enough to have abandoned that stuff, which is probably the way to go. But I I think skill-wise, it's all there. He should theoretically go out there and beat Blahovitz everywhere. Whereas I do think that this man is going to run into some serious troubles at 205. I don't think he's going to be a world champion. Uh, I love Luke Rockhold. I really do. I know that he's got like a bad reputation as being a dick. Like, I love Luke Rockhold. His style, his fights. I'm a fan. Sign me up. Um, but Jan Blahovitz is not a, sh- a walkover and he has a nasty hook of his own. And if he lands, he'll knock him out. But he's not known for his power punching. He's not known for his pure aggression. And he's coming off a knockout loss of his own. So I'm not going with Jan. I got to go with Luke Rockhold. 170 was like 
fuck it, I'm taking the chance and I'm going on it. At 2.30, it's like, ooh, now you have to be confident, which it's hard to be super confident. But at 2.30, still playable. I play him at 2.30, 8,400, even though Jan is cast iron. He just got knocked out, first time ever. And if Luke takes him down and gets on top of this guy, he'll put him away. Very yeah. confident on that. So the 84, because it's considered like a mid-range play yep. almost, it's uh, that sub-85 range. Um, I would say it's a playable option, Luke Rockhold. And there really isn't much of a sub-84. Like, there's nothing, no, in, between, not there's in, that nothing in between him and Blahovich. Yeah. There's actually no, like, 83 to 79 this week, which is going to make things a little bit interesting. Of course, especially, like, if I'm making a fictitious lineup right on the spot. But if you're not playing the 96 on Jones, you're not playing the 91 on Nunez, and you're just you're, you're starting you're off with someone like Luke Rockholds. Yeah, yeah, if you're going to play the Luke Rockholds and play that section, you're going to save a lot of money so that you can get some of those other pieces that you want. Luke comes through for us. There is some love for him. I do see some of the sharp minds that I highly respect on Luke Rockhold, and I consider myself in that same category. That is one thing. I, I'm happy that the line has started to move because everybody is on Luke Rockhold and here. And, and it's it a stick in the mud. And, and it's like, it didn't oh, move no. for a second, and I was just like, oh, boy. Like, you go up onto, like, all the different websites that track these things, and it's just like everybody, and rightfully so, is on him. Luckily, at least now, like, that line is starting to move in the direction that I thought it would. Because it was making me a little bit nervous. I'm like, what? A, you, you know, it just it looked like the biggest trap of all time. But I was willing to take the uh, the risk on that trap. Anyway, let's move on. We have Michael Chiesa taking on Diego Sanchez. Michael Chiesa, 9,200, a minus 30, 335 favorite. Diego Sanchez is 7,000 and plus 275. What's your take here? We've been rolling on Sanchez mm-hmm. lately. I think we got, we've gone his winning streak anyways, which is surprising that he's gone on a winning streak whatsoever. But are we in agreement that the winning streak's over? Or Sanchez actually has the type of style to give Kiesa problems. I think so. Kiesa doesn't like getting bullied around. He mm-hmm. doesn't like in-your-face pressure. He doesn't like a grinding pace. That he likes to try to out. take you down. He and, likes to just have his way. And grab oh. your back and, and find a submission. Who's Trouble ever submitted Diego Sanchez? Not a soul has ever. Nobody. Exactly. The guy is proven over the test of time that durability is, is yeah his chin used to be his store like it used to be legendary and he's been chin jacked a little bit but Kiesa other than coming in physically strong and kind of trying to bully you a little bit not a sharp power puncher not the kind of guy that's going to use accuracy to knock out Sanchez I didn't see Lozon knocking out Sanchez but I don't see Kiesa knocking he, out Sanchez Kiesa may don't. be able to muscle him up against the cage and just like early, early play a lot of early, early. Yeah, like round but one round two get him up in the cage Ugly, hold him there, maybe land some strikes, you know, you just keep keep him in control. And he may be able to control him. There's going to probably be a strength, a significant strength advantage here. But Diego doesn't tire. Diego is going to come, up, come back even harder round two. If I was forced to make any sort of play on this, it is Diego Sanchez plus 275. DraftKings, it's... I would play Sanchez over Chiesa if I had to. Um, I'm not, it's not like a Vince Pichel last week where I was just like, I'm making the play. I'm not as sold on it, but that's where I would lean if I had to this, make a this play is, on this This one. is where I'm struggling, is that with Sanchez's last two fights, it's like, man, he easily has the style to defeat these guys. Like Mickey Gall, like, or what? Mickey Gall? And who's the guy before him? Craig White? It, like, yeah. Craig, Craig White? Like, what, really? Whereas, like, Chiesa is actually a respected top contender. Sure. A guy that had some high upside, some high promise. So, is Sanchez going to go on a three-fight winning streak at this stage of his career? Is If he wins this fight, is Diego Sanchez considered relevant? Is Diego? 
line, if he's in line for some co-main event on a free card against like a top 15, top 10 opponent, if he beats Kiesa, yeah, yeah, why wouldn't he be? And that's what I'm struggling to find. I just don't know that he's going to go out there and beat the younger, better, stronger athlete at this mm. point in his career. It's also at 170, which is plays against both of them. Like Sanchez is better at 55. I don't want to see him back at 170. But in the same breath, it's like he has this whole game was built around the fact that he was monstrous at 55. Mm-hmm. And at 170, it's like he's tested the waters against Carlos Condit. But like that's a style clash that favored him all day long. Condit wasn't going to stuff the takedowns. Condit wasn't going to stuff out the submission attempts. Just what it is. Where Sanchez has got the ability to do that. So looking at Chiesa, I look at the Mitch Clark fight. We'll go back because, yeah, that's a couple years ago. He wins the two, two first rounds easy, one and two. Third round, man, he tires. He doesn't look good. The Jim Miller fight, he got bullied around a little bit in the first round against Jim Miller. Held against, up against Jim Miller. Neil Darius, same thing in the first round. Neil Darius able to muscle him up a little bit. The difference is both those guys... Blew up in the second round. Benil got tired a little bit, ended up getting taken down himself, ended up getting submitted. Jim Miller, you know, veteran guy, not known for getting tired, but it was a it was a hectic first round. Second round, he gets taken down, ends up with with Kies on his back, and then he's done. The Kevin Lee fight, whatever, I didn't think he tapped. They should have let that one go. But the Anthony Pettis fight, here's another style clash that favors Kiesa, but he gets tired. When he gets tired, it goes to shit for him. That's that's the thing that makes me nervous here, is that when you're facing Diego Sanchez, he's probably going to take you into two and three. He's probably going to push a pace on you. Even though I think Kiesa's probably the better fighter at this stage in their careers anyways. And even though I would like to bet Kiesa. Not at that price. Yeah, yeah. It's just not the type of price that you go against a, a guy like Diego. That's pro- He's a proven commodity, so to speak. So this is why the show's named Dogger Pass. Mm-hmm. Th- th- this is a situation where you Dogger Pass. If you don't like Diego, then just walk away. If you do like Diego, that's a hell of a prize. Take a little stab at her. Mm-hmm. We got Arnold Allen taking on Gilbert Melendez. Albert Al- or Arnold Allen is 9,000 minus 365 favorite. Uh, Melendez, 7,200 plus 305. Melendez, four-fight losing streak. Hasn't fought in like almost two years now. I actually thought he had already retired. I just don't remember. I didn't see the Gilbert Melendez has retired thing. I just assumed that I was never going to see him ever again. Here he is, kind of a weird spot, coming in against a young British prospect in Arnold Allen. Um, It's really tough to trust Gilbert Melendez at this stage in his career. 145, I'm not so sure about either. It's just like he... Went down there and he did, he looked like dog shit against Jeremy Stevens. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe he's he's wearing himself down. Maybe he thinks all oh, all these other guys in the UFC are just getting too big. That's it's the, the only problem. way I can compete. But problem. it's just like, well, you're not competing. You're not really competing all that well at this weight class either. So, I don't know. It. I have no. I have no feel for what Gilbert Melendez is up to. I know he's been doing a lot of broadcasting and stuff. I haven't heard much about what he's been doing at the gym or what type of things he's been doing, whether he's been making improvements. I would imagine it's the same old Gilbert Melendez and the game is changing right now. Um, I, this one really does scream a pass to me, but I'm picking Arnold Allen. Yeah, Gilbert Melendez is just from that same era of guys like uh, Gray Maynard, guys that decided, oh, geez, you know, Joe Stevenson. Maybe I can drop down a weight class and that'll revitalize my career. Because, you know, when I started, I had size for the weight class. But now, geez, these guys are kind of getting bigger. They're, they're getting kind of better. Maybe if I can just cut the additional weight, I'll have the size. The thing is, is that as you get older, you're slowing down. Your speed's getting slower. So now you drop down the weight class. Yeah, who cares if you're the bigger guy? This young, agile kid in front of you, He's just too fast. 
you, you, this is a fight where I've been solely scared off by price. I'm not betting Gilbert Melendez. I can't have any faith in Gilbert Melendez. I don't mind Arden Allen. I think that he's a young kid. I think that he's still green, but he's improving every day. He is making improvements. And there's guys that are going to come around and beat him, probably in the near future. And that should only make him better. I do see this kid progressing. I don't see him as a world champion, but I see him eventually getting to a level where he's a, you know, a top contender in the UFC. They're doing him a hell of a favor here by saying, hey, kid, we've got enough faith in you that we're going to give you Gilbert Melendez, a guy that's a former Strikeforce champion, literally a hair away from being the first Strikeforce champion to become a UFC champion as well when he got robbed against Benson Henderson. He's fought all of the best guys in the world. He has a very respected uh, reputation. Uh, his fight with Diego Sanchez is like one of the greatest wars you've ever seen. Like he, he, This man has done it all. But now he's just not there anymore. And he's been off for a couple of years. He's on a bad slide. He's had some injuries. He's trying to drop down a weight class. 100% I'm, I'm in on Arnold Allen. But 100%, 365 exactly. on Arnold Allen? Yeah. What? So, okay, so let's, let's forget about like that. Let's just look at the 9,000. Experience DK. advantage, obviously, in Gilbert's corner here. Yeah, Wrestling and Gil's advantage. a black belt, and Gil's a good wrestler. Yeah, exactly. Gil's got but a good chin. the thing is, Gilbert... Like, is probably washed. Like I think he's. I just don't know that he's got the speed and the athleticism, nor nor like the drive. You know, like there's yeah. there's a he's there's got a, a good cushy job. ESPN. They've been or are they still getting him to do that? He wasn't very good, and I don't see him very often anymore. So I don't I'm gonna, see him very I'm gonna often say no. anymore. There's probably a reason why he's back fighting. Yeah, anymore. probably. But but that being said, there's also a chance. Here's a real greasy theory oh, for you that oh I boy. did not just make up. But apparently, Coker wants him back. Wants him back bad. Coker is a guy that used him in Strike Force. He was the champion and loved him and sold yeah. cards based on Gilbert Melendez. Really did like him. Then Coker takes over for Yorn uh, Rebney, and his first order of business is bring Gilbert Melendez back. UFC has to match. Remember, they matched that crazy contract, and they had to make Gilbert Melendez a tough coach because in the contract it was like we were gonna Spike TV was gonna give him like a TV episode. I don't know some TV show thing about him and his family. So they were like, you have to match TV for TV because you match the deal. That's why he ended up on The Ultimate Fighter. Mm-hmm. And since he signed that big contract, he's he's been no good at the UFC. But but Coker wants him back, and Coker is fully, I think he's coming near the end of his deal, but if he just sits on the sideline like he's been doing, there's nothing for him. If he takes a couple fights, this is not a crazy fight. If I'm Gilbert Melendez, it's not like they're telling me, go fight some guy that's going to punch my head off. It's kind of a matchup that I should be able to theoretically deal with, and he's, you know, he's not a killer. I'm not going to get massively concussed and never fight again from a matchup with Arnold Allen. Uh fight my way out of this contract, get out of here, and then I can go to strike, or I can go to Bellator, sorry, where I'm going to get easier matchups and I'm going to be able to make some money. My wife, she fights for Bellator as well. It just makes a lot more sense. They're based out of San Jose. I'm in San Jose. That's the stage of his career he's in. Bellator loves those guys, the old savvy veterans. Oh, yeah, they'll um, fight until he's 50. Of, of course. So the UFC, they're giving him no favor. We're giving him the young upstart, buried on the pay-per-view, and clearly... They want Arnold Allen to get one over, I would believe, and uh, try to promote him. Why they selected him for this fight, I don't know. But he matches up great. The 9,000, it only makes sense if, like, when we say maybe Gilbert's washed, he'd really really have to be washed. He'd really have to be washed. Other than that, I'm not paying 9,000. Yeah. Agreed. All right, we got Marlon Alvera taking on Nohilin. Hernandez, who comes in on very, very, very short notice. This was supposed to be Marlon Vera versus Sugar Sean O'Malley, which would have been super fun. Sweet fight. But he had another, he has like, uh, he has the John Jones problem, but they didn't right. pick up this whole card and move it to California. 
How many tickets is Sean O'Malley selling? <laughs> right? Yeah, how many tickets is Sean O'Malley selling? Either way, we've got uh, Vera 9,500 on DraftKings and a minus 350 favorite. Hernandez 6,700 and plus 260. Any hot takes here? I know 9,500 seems egregious. Yeah, this is a hot pass for me. Um, Marlon Vera definitely should be the favorite given the sole fact that his opponent is taking the fight in like a week's notice, like five or six days notice. Uh, he had a fight coming up, but all the same. Like you, you're you're jumping in a completely different monster here, making a UFC debut. On the big, on the quote-unquote biggest card of the year. Yeah, biggest card of the year. He was supposed to fight Anthony Burchak, UFC veteran. So mm-hmm. that probably would have been on paper the biggest fight of his career. And now he's taking, again, the biggest fight of his career. But yeah, you're you're now International Fight Week in Las Vegas, taking on a guy that's been in the UFC for a couple of years now and has a lots of experience under his belt, on a little bit of a winning streak, uh, getting some momentum going, trains at a really high level. His cards are stacked against you. The other thing with this Nohaline Hernandez guy is that, yeah, he's jumping off as just like, well, we don't know much about him. They keep touting him as like super prospect, super prospect he's one of these guys out of aka that's young i think like 25 years old athletic trains with the mainstay of guys and should theoretically be making developments and improvements every time out the thing is is when i watch him he almost fights to his opponent's level he's in a lot of close ass fights what i mean by that is his last seven fights have gone decision Mm -hmm. and in those decisions he beat ryan de la cruz seven and three on a split he beat christian giovanni three and oh on a split he beat joe neal six and two on a split, and he beat my boy Kyle Boom Reyes, 13-5, on a split. So four of those decisions have been split decisions. He's also 0-3 as a pro boxer, so super prospect? Doesn't seem like a super prospect to me. I mean, he's winning as many fights as he's not winning. Uh, Sorry, he's winning as many fights by decision. I think he's got, like, of his what? He's got 10 wins. I think it's eight decisions and and two finishes. Mm -hmm. He finished the very first two fights of his career. Probably against complete schlubs. Yeah, and then it's a a big red flag for me personally where I have a a blossoming MMA career going here, right? I'm winning fights. I train at AKA, and I'm willingly losing fucking boxing matches on the weekend in my spare time. Remember that Deshaun Johnson? He fought Godofredo Pepe? Yeah, he came in and it was something like he was fighting on week. He was like 11 and 11 or something. He lost a boxing match like three weeks after his UFC debut and they caught him for breach of contract. It was like this guy had no respect for his own career. He was just taking fights to get paid. Nolene Hernandez, the fact that he's 0-3 as a boxer, boxing's clearly not his, his path here. It would be MMA. He's 10-2. He should be close to a UFC contract. But why would a guy that's on a four-fight winning streak willingly go and, and, and job out in some boxing match? I, I don't like that. The only thing here is that Marlon Vera, when you watch his fights, sometimes he fights to his opponent's level, yeah, too. Yeah, like the Brad Pickett fight. Brad Pickett was yeah, done. And like, his career Hernandez. was over. And, like, it took it's until round up. three to, to like, actually you know, land that kick and, and, and put him away. It was it, just, like... It took until round like, three This for seems like you. all the cards were stacked in your favor, and you let Brad Pickett hang around for a long time. Yes, and then the John Lineker fight, it's Lineker. But the Douglas and Drage fight, Douglas and Drage is kind of a one-dimensional striker, stood in front of him, outpointed him. The Wooji Burn fight, he finished him in the second. Didn't look good, I, I don't know, didn't look great in the early portion of that fight, and it's Wooji Burn in China. Yeah. His next fight, Guido Canetti. Then he sparks Frankie Sines, which is an okay victory. Yeah. Um, but Sines is like 38 and kind of slowing down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it was a fight that had been booked and then fell off and then booked again. And so Cheeto Vera, 
it's it's a three fight winning streak. He's been looking good. He's been getting finishes. That's why he pops off the page at ninety five hundred. Is you punch it through a simulator, and well, he's a three and a half to one favorite against opponent taking the fight on a week's notice, and he's finished his last three fights in less than two rounds. So why would he not be a big favorite? It's that. He kind of has a lot of similarities to this guy, and I do think it'll work out looking kind of like a sparring match that goes three rounds, is a somewhat close of a decision. Even though Vera should get that somewhat close of a decision, why would you pay 350 on a fight you think could be a close decision? Mm-hmm. And Hernandez, by evidence of his last seven fights going to decision, four of which were splits, is in close decisions. So this is a hard pass on my end. I want nothing to do with this fight. No, nor do I. We have uh, Claudia Gadelia oh. taking on... Ronda Marcos, 8,800 Gadelia, minus 225 favorite. Marcos is 7,400 and plus 185. Isn't Marcos just like a poor man's Claudio Gadelia? Like, uh, no, no. I, I, I think you she's disagree? like, yeah, she's like the women's Darren Elkins. Like, when you don't expect okay. her to win, she'll just roll you over. But if you're athletic and you fight a good game plan, you should beat her. Like, stylistically. Should be Gadelia all day. Yeah, but what is that? Stylistically, when has Gadelia ever come through? Like, her potential doesn't match what her performances end up being. That's the sad truth about Claudia Gadelia. It's true. It's all there. But mentally, well, she doesn't pull it together. Her cardio. Are you picking Marcos here? You know what? This is a card where I've hard passed on a lot. But what I want to say is this is a Chalk City card. Everybody can agree it's Chalk City card. Oh, for sure. These so, lines are so, out for so many weeks right, and right, stuff right. that it's just right. everything got So steamed. what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to say, who are the potential apple pie shitters? Kiesa, Claudia Gadelia, and Marlon Vera. I have more faith in Vera than I do the other two. But Claudia falls in a similar category in that um, – should she have not beaten Nina Ansaroff? And in the first round, she takes Ansaroff down like nothing. I mean, when in we the saw Ansaroff, she tires. When we saw Ansaroff, when she tires, her game. When we goes saw Ansaroff go up shit. against Suarez afterwards, yeah. the takedown defense. Okay, fair. When we got later into that. the fight, was super on point. Yep. So maybe we're just underestimating Nina Ansaroff more okay. than anything. Uh, okay, so this is what I. This is the counter to that. Is that Claudia Gadelli is supposed to be one of the best in the world? It starts with the fight with Andrade. She has a great first round. And the second and third round, it just, woof, does it ever go off the rails. But Andrade is a great champion, so we're going to give her a pass there. The Carla Esparza fight. She wins a split. She robbed Carla Esparza in his striking match. She has a great first round, Paul. But in the second and the third round, she can't get takedowns. When she can't get takedowns, she's forced to strike. She's a one-and-done striker. She loads up on her punches. She's a straw weight with gas tank issues. Yeah, and Marcos is kind of the opposite. Marcos' striking is herky-jerky, but she'll come at you, and she'll throw. She'll jab, jab, jab right hand and clinch with you and push you up against the cage and wear on you and shoot a takedown and not get the takedown and then brawl with you a little bit. Single-collar tie, uppercuts, very effective against Claudia Gadelia. And again, this is one of the things that Ronda Marcos is like a staple of her game. So I would love to say Claudia has shored up those issues, but the issues keep popping up. They popped up against Andrade. They popped up against Esparza. They popped up against Nina Ansarov. The other wins, the Carolina or the Courtney Casey fight, awful. The second Joanna Jacek fight, she started off good, but then completely fell apart. And the one victory that is nice for her is she choked out uh, Karolina Kovacavich in the first round. But she always looks good in the first round. Name me a first round that Claudia Gadelia has not looked good. Mm-hmm. She's a first round fighter. Is that there's no faith beyond that first round. And Marcos is just rugged, man. She'll come at you. She's a hard worker. I can't even say anything bad about her because uh, word on the street is producer Chad 
may not have a crush on her. He says he's trained with her in Windsor. I think he's got a crush on her. Yeah. Um, she got an Iranian schnoz on her, but good looking gal, anyhow. <laughs> so I kind of got a crush on her too, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I would say that. If you're looking to parlay favorites, because this is a card that you're parlaying favorites, it's again, it's easy to get behind Claudia, former champion, BJJ black belt, very physically strong, good striking. On paper, she's a better striker than Ronda Marcos, and uh, she's way better grappler than Ronda Marcos, and she's just stronger than Marcos to the fact that her takedown defense is good enough to stuff Marcos's takedowns. But you give me a tired Claudia Gadelia in round two and three, she's not the better striker, she's not the better wrestler, and she's not the better grappler. So I just need Marcos to last that first round. This is another situation where maybe a live bet could be in play. If if Claudia Gadelia wins the first round, and this is what I noticed in her last fight, win the first round and is huffing and puffing, the, the Asparza fight, same thing, huffing and puffing, going to her corner, you can see that, and she's down the round, and you can live bet Marcos, who's already a sizable dog. You can get an even better price on her. Could be worth looking into. So on potential dogs that could absolutely get Starsha make me look like an idiot, Diego Sanchez and Ronda Marcos. We got Song Yudong taking on Alejandro Perez, the Brazilian weasel. Shoutouts to uh, Best Fight Picks. That's their term. It, I stole that term. I like it. He is the not the Brazilian. Say, I was gonna say he's not Brazilian, but the he's weasel. not Brazilian. Yeah, the weasel. Yeah, no, the weasel. No, 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 that's that's hammer hammer to the head. What this man is, they called it right. He, the guy just knows how to to win dicey dicey decisions. That's his or game. lose them, but he's in them anyway. Exactly. Uh, so Song Yudong, eighty five hundred minus two twenty five favorite. Alejandro Perez is seventy seven hundred and plus one eighty five. What you take here? Yeah, I'm tempted to play Song Yudong because, again, on a card where you're getting some 3-to-1 favorites, like I, I don't mind playing those 2-to-1 range guys. And I like Yudong Song, Song Yudong, whatever you want to call him, depending on what culture you're from. But at 21 years old, being very green still, like he's going to get exposed by a veteran-type fighter. And Alejandro Perez fits that exact mold. He's in close fights. He's in close fights that sometimes the judges give, give him the decision. I think Yudong is more aggressive. I think he's a little bit faster. But again, at 21 years old and training out of He's out of that, like, uh, Enbo camp in China. It's basically just, you know, like, refugee kids. And no doubt about it, they get these kids ready to go, but at certain levels. So now you see this kid on cards in China, and he's developing, and he's got a 3-0 and record, and he's progressively fought slightly better levels of competition, but, but we don't really have a full idea of where he's at. Now you jump him to International Fight Week, send him to Las Vegas, and give him a guy that's been in there with some good competitors, and give him a good account of himself in Alejandro Perez. So anytime you see dog money on Perez, it's worth having a look at. And then anytime you see dog money on Perez, 185, like that's good dog money. It makes you wonder. But the, when I look at tape on it, this is Song Yudong's fight. Like again, he's the better striker. It should remain a striking battle for the most part, and he should be able to win it. But I do see it being close, and Perez has a, an opportunity in these close fights to just edge them out. We've seen him do it before. That makes it risky. I would like to say pass again, but I don't want to be the coward passing in all these fights for you. So on, I'll give you my official picks at the end of the show. But yeah, I would have to say Song Yudong in a fight that uh, I don't love, and I'm going to half action on it. He'll be on some areas, he'll be on some spots, but I do see that there's a risk here. Yeah, the problem with Perez is because he's able to fight these really, really close fights, he's a, he's a risky DraftKings play. He can, he'll can he fight good. on his bike if he has to fight on his bike, if his opponent yeah. is running him down and stuff, and he he does his, his he doesn't just stand there to get hit, right? So... Um, I'd love to say that this is like a firefight. We're probably going to live in this range on DraftKings if we're, 
you know, at least in GPPs, avoiding the main and co-main. Um, but yeah, I'd like to be able to roster him. He scored 101 points on average. I mean, I'll probably end up on on him on DraftKings, but I'm a little hesitant about it. Well, you, you have to be. I mean, realistically, he had a four-fight winning streak snapped in his last fight against Cody Stamen in a close fight, you know? And yeah. like, this guy doesn't generally get outclassed. And he's beating guys like Eddie Wineland, Matthew Lopez, Yuri Alcantara, Andre Sukumantath. You know what all those guys, for the exception of Andre Sukumantath, have in common? They're, they're probably better than Song Yudong. He's 21 years old. There's a long ways to go here. He could be a super prospect at 25. There's a long ways to go here. So the UFC's got this issue, especially with prospects recently, where they just they give them a little too much too soon. Perez is not a sexy matchup. It's hard to beat the guy. Your stock's not even going to go up a whole lot if you do beat the guy. And he's not even going to give you a showcase type of fight. So all, all, all red flags, all risks. And yes, maybe Perez is another potential guy that's going to come and uh, screw up your parlay if you go against him. Edmund Shabazian takes on Jack Marshman. Edmund Shabazian, 9,400, a minus 600 favorite. Jack Marshman, 6,800, plus 450. In my uh, season-long gamble master th- uh, contest pool, I took uh, Phillips versus Marshman. I was convinced that this fight was just not going to go the distance. Someone's I think it was like minus finish. 185, just that somebody had to finish. and. He got blacklisted that day. I can't. I I look at this line. I go oh, plus four fifty against Marshman. Like Shabazian has kind of looked like he can slow down quite a bit in round three. Not really sold on his striking, his takedowns, and and you know his grappling game. I'm not really sold on. Like I think he's pretty middle of the pack, and Brett and Jack Marshman is maybe slightly behind that. Like I want to bet Jack Marshman. But I just can't bring myself to do it. It's dogger pass, a straight up pass for me. Um, uh, maybe you you can sway me in some way, shape, or form. Um, Ninety four hundred sounds kind of crazy too. Like Marshman just went out there and just laid an absolute snoozer on everybody against John Phillips. You would think that the two of those guys matching up, they were going to be swinging and banging. They they were not. He played a very very safe game, and that makes it very very tough to. Uh, to trust him on DraftKings and 9,400. Like, if Marshman comes out, plays that type of style against Shabazian, maybe he just negates his points as well. Yeah, see, that's where I'll actually disagree on that one. What I noticed from the John Phillips versus Jack Marshman fight is that John Phillips fucking dropped him hard in the first round and then refused to go to the ground. So Marshman gets up half concussed. <sighs> And then at, the, at that point, is this like new game plan. I got to get out of here. Probably doesn't even know where he is. Probably loses the fight. And they give him a decision anyways. Highly debated one online. People didn't seemingly agree with it. But it was just a bad fight altogether. When I see Edmund Shabazian, and again, I know I just talked shit about uh, 21-year-old Song Yudong. We have another 21-year-old here in in Edmund Shabazian. But he's 9-0 with eight first-round finishes. He looks the part. The one time he didn't get the finish against Darren Stewart, hell, Darren Stewart ain't that bad, apparently. And he showed a different element of his game. I mean, first of all, he had never been out of the first round. He had barely been out of the first couple of minutes into the fight. He gets a contract on Dana White's contender series with like a 48-second sparking. His last fight's the same thing. He goes out there and he dusts people off very quickly. He's got power. He's also learning and progressing. But that wrinkle of his game plan against Darren Stewart is, I don't want to strike with this guy and I'm starting to get tired. I'm just going to revert to wrestling. That was the first time he got rounds under his belt. That's that's going to lead to the progression. And then to come out in your next fight against Charles Bird, where people are saying, oh, dude, this fucking kid looked awful. And it's like, he's 21. 
Do you not know how many improvements he'll be making because of the experience he's gaining? That three rounds was as much cage time as he had in his entire career, times two. And he comes out and he looked awesome against Charles Burton. And I expect him to come out here and look a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. The difference is, is the UFC gives Song Yudong a tough dream and gatekeeper like Alejandro Perez that's going to pose problems. Whereas they do not do that with Edmund Shabazian. They give him a fucking Jack Marshman who should not be in the UFC, let's be honest, and will likely get caught at the conclusion of this fight. If if he tries to stand with Shabazian, I think Shabazian catches him with something. If he tries to wrestle with Shabazian, Shabazian gets on top, maybe ground and pounds, maybe submits him. I'm not paying the 96 on Jones. I'm not paying the 91 on Nunez. I'll be one of the guys that takes Shabazian for 94 because I have the money left over on, on the roll. And uh, 600, I don't like. He opened up 500. I hit that a little bit. Yeah, is uh, Ishmael Nardiev taking on Chance Rencounter? Nardiev is 9,300 minus 500 favorite. Rencounter, 6,900 plus 400. I mean, this is a massive step down in competition for Ishmael, who... Went out there and styled on my boy Michel Prezeris, costing me all the DK monies. Yeah, I think that, that one hurt week. a and good, good for, amount of people. And good for him. Uh, a star is born. That now they're giving him a tall, lanky, herky jerky, striking opponent. Like this kid should style. I would think. How many paper. times have you seen a guy go from a three to one underdog in his debut yeah. to a five to one favorite in his sophomore outing? Like, I mean, there was that good of a performance against yeah, a really, really tough opponent that is super underrated, like nineteen and three or something. I don't know. I don't have Prezeris's record yeah. offhand, but it's like Prezeris was on a massive winning streak and the kind he's of guys little, you don't match pimple. young striking prospects against, and, and he, and he knew yeah. exactly what to do. Um, I just don't see what Rencounter can really do here. Maybe like his game, maybe to like try to maintain range and stuff. Like if, no, if, this guy can't maintain range at all. He's no. so tall. In, the, but in theory, he no should, ability but the, to maintain. I mean, range. like that's that's the only way I could even fathom. Him winning. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if, no, Prezeris is struggling. Gotta get the take. Yeah. But if you're six foot three, how are you gonna get underneath this kid? This kid just shook off Prezeris, who takes down all, basically everybody and is a little pit bull at five foot three. Like, it, see, how I, do you, how yeah. do you, how do you, how do you get down that low? Like, there, I don't, the rank counter's got nothing for this kid. Yeah. See, I, I agree. I've never been a huge uh, chance rank counter thing. I remember his two fight trilogy, not trilogy, that's three fights. Uh, his two fight little series, I guess, against uh, Justin Patterson and Bellator. I'm not a huge uh, Chance Rancounter fan. Or I'm just not high up on him. Anyways, comes to the UFC, Bilal Muhammad, took the fight at short notice, lasted, showed a little bit of heart. But it's like, he's so tall. Why can he not maintain range? He's got no jab. He's got no no ability to stay on the outside and lure his opponents. He just kind of allows them to step in, brawls with them a little bit. It's that second fight, his last fight in the UFC against Stewart. He's taking on an undefeated guy out of a decent camp who comes in with LFA experience and is supposed to be credible. Chance is going to lose. He goes out there. He gets under him. He gets the takedown. He uh, rides him up against the cage a little bit. Eventually, he's able to take the back, takes the back, chokes this guy out. There's no doubt Ishmael Nordiev looks like he should be a super prospect. Known as the Austrian wonder boy, uh, his striking seems to be on a different level. It's not only just that. This is not a kid that just stayed in Austria and is attempting to figure out the other skills of MMA. He's full-time in South Florida now, uh, trains with a fantastic group of guys oh, with Henry Hooft. He's making all the improvements. And then when you see him in his last fight, it's like, oh, man, 
He's working on his takedown defense. And now that he can keep fights standing, he's going to make guys pay. His ACB fight against uh, Ishmael De Jesus, that was the one I was pointing to in his last fight as that's going to be a problem. When he takes on big, strong, bulking guys that are able to take him down, he's going to struggle. But he made a lot of improvements from there to his UFC debut. And now he's taking a guy that doesn't even fit the category of big, hulking, bruising, jiu-jitsu black belt who's going to plow you to the ground. So, yeah, I think it's Ishmael all day. 9,300, I can see him getting the finish here. 500, yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be a big favorite. But when you're young, you've got one fight in the UFC. You're super unproven. I just think rank counters you know i'm on shabazian against marshman because i really don't think marshman's any good chance rank counter he's a little bit better than not very good but but he's also he should not be at this level so again if you can pay up for for the 9300 on uh the austrian wonder boy dude he's got a pretty uh He's got a pretty slick finishing ratio. Like, this guy puts guys away. And in Chance's situation, if he can't take him down, what's it going to be? A striking battle. A striking battle from a tall, lanky guy who gets hit a lot, stands straight up, and got stung by Bilal Muhammad multiple times. Or, or, or this kid who's, you know, made to just... Also, he's got nasty body kicks. And when you got that tall, lanky frame and you don't play the range game very well, you just allow yourself to get... Mm-hmm. You know, you're open for strikes, so... I got to go Nordiev, but I know I sound like a broken record. Is I don't like the price, man. You yeah. got to get on these openers or you got to get on these on Monday. Because by when it's only Dude, Wednesday. We're they, midweek. These, we're these midweek. lines were They're going to get worse. They man. were already steamed, though. Like even before this, this is a special card where it's like these lines have been out for like a month and a half. Which is why you, you know, if you're the type of person that's got extra bankroll, this, the, always the smartest thing is hit, hit the cards a couple weeks in advance. If they put yep. the odd out, hit it. But everyone gets well, wrapped if, up in. For I those who are betting big, you can only do you can only do so much though. You can like usually those openers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those those openers get shifted like a hundred points on like a hundred dollar bet. Yeah, on. which is why if people in the community weren't dicks, we could collectively hit the openers on the other side, and then when they actually release the full price out, we'd get a much better price on it. We'd hammer it. But everybody's <laughs> in it for themselves, Paul. Everybody's as in they should be. No, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm in for be. the fans. I'm in for the fans. I'm giving you fucking picks I plan on playing because I'm <laughs> a good guy. Leave the lines alone so Cody can play them. Because I want you to win too. Leave the lines alone so Cody can play them. You the guys fu- hear that out there? You hear that out Throw there? Throw me a bone and hit the fucking opener on the other side for Cody. Okay? Little Cody could definitely use it. Ah, definitely use it. We're in it together. We're going to make money together. Julia Vila, 8,600 minus 220. Penny Kienza, 7,600 plus 180. Any hot takes here? Yeah, so I'm just going to wrap up the last couple. Of, oh, this is the last fight. This is um, the last fight. Okay, so I got five minutes I can go with this. Um, Julia Vila, man, like she could be a, a, a good, solid prospect. It's the time off in between fights that kind of has me like ever so slightly worried. But she's in a division where she's built to thrive. So looking at this girl, the Raging Panda, 6-1, and one, 31 years old. For someone who's making their UFC debut, 31. It's a little long in the tooth. She's out of this Oklahoma martial arts and looking at Oklahoma martial arts like no, nobody in the gym. One thing, though, any gym in Oklahoma is going to have wrestlers in it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have damn fine You're wrestlers filled with wrestlers. It. This girl, Paul, can just go forever. Now, she wins her UFC or she wins her MMA debut against Marion Renault. Very interesting to know. She beats Renault in her debut and then she fights two amateur fights right after. I don't know why, but she steamrolls those two amateur fights. Comes back to MMA. She beats Nico Montano, who ended up being a UFC champion. I don't know why, but ended up being a UFC champion. She beats Montano in her third fight. 
and then makes her Invicta debut at 4-0. and And what happens is, is like 56 seconds into the first round, she blocks a kick and her finger like dislocates. Mm-hmm. So they just call finger it Finger injury is her only loss on her record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She fights less than three months after that. They must have just popped it back in place and she smashes Ashleen Dean in uh, 208. Then she comes back to Invicta and has a sick performance against Alexa Connors, front kicks this girl, and it's pace. She's a mad dog. She's in your face all the time, just throwing, 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 throwing. So I see she's actually, she wrote a D1 scholarship out of Notre Dame for track and field, and it just all makes sense. Here's a real athlete, maybe not a great combat sports star, but a good athlete. And when you see her, she's rugged out of a tough camp out of Oklahoma and has pace for days and just grinds on people, grinds on people. Grinds on people. I would have picked her in her initial uh, opponent with her initial opponent, Penny Kianzad, coming in now in short notice. Kianzad uh, billed as a wrestler, and when you look at any of her Instagram stuff, Swedish wrestler, Denmark, Denmark. Yeah, I knew she was from. Yeah, spending all over time in Denmark and wrestle wrestling a lot in Denmark. I don't know where the levels at. Is it like her and Nicholas Dalby at a gym together? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but taking photos of each other. When you he's at Rumble, she's at Suave. I know, he's at I different know. gyms. Crazy. Yeah, you're know. not you're not even at the big Denmark gym, dog. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, I my my da- Danish MMA local gym knowledge subpar. I shouldn't have any. I don't know why I do. Sometimes I think mm-hmm. sad, sad like, life. Think about all the other things that could be in your brain <laughs> if you didn't know all of like the oh, all like the the number one gym and the number yeah, two gym chemistry in Denmark. In Denmark, yeah. So. Uh, with Kianzad, again, it looks like she's working on her wrestling a lot. But when you watch any of her performances, mm, n- the wrestling doesn't seem to be there. She'll, she's more than comfortable trying to grapple with you. But she ends up with her back against the cage more times than not. She had a bad little three-fight losing streak in Invicta where, oh, she loses to Tanya Evinger. Oh, no big deal. Bigger, stronger girl. The fight with Sarah Kaufman. Ah, no big deal. Bigger, stronger girl. It's the one with Raquel Palloui where it's like, you 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 can't be getting muscled out by who's a strong girl and getting choked out in the first round. It shouldn't be happening, but it does. She's running into issues with aggressive girls that stay in her face, that can go for a long time, good cardio, all those things. And that's exactly what Julia Avila presents. So outside of the fact that Avila's been off for eight months, hasn't been, you know, 31 years old, been fighting for a little bit now, she's not exactly the most uh, experienced person for where her age is at. But she's got the style. So unless she gets really gun-shy because it's her UFC debut, and unless the bright lights really get to her, if she fights the way she did against Alexa Connors in her last Invicta fight, no doubt in my mind she beats Penny Kianzad. So I'll uh, I'll take her. Good thing for her is that, like, this is, like, the if it's if, if the bet order stays the same and, like, this is the first fight on the card, if you've ever been to a card in Vegas, like, it is fucking empty Empty. in these arenas like everyone's out on the maybe it's changed now that they've moved to t-mobile and it's a it's not too far off the strip but it's a little bit like i don't know if there's like a casino right outside like when it was at the mgm grand the grand garden arena and all that it's like everybody's at the slots until like the tv prelims at least and then like for pay-per-views like people didn't really even show up until like the main event like it was half empty up until the main card actually started mm-hmm. that's when the sea started filling so like it may you may be able to hit, hear a pin drop for julia vila versus panny kianza which should take a little bit of the pressure off you know what that's it's a great point it's not like she's curtain jerking on the main card of a pay-per-view here and it's like ah it's like, oh, my God. She's not even going to see the Bubba O'Reilly opening video. No. It's just going to be like, yo, girl, 
most of these people are playing in the casino yeah. and people get, are out getting drunk getting right drunk now. They, they, they plan on arriving probably for Michael Chiesa versus Diego yeah. Sanchez. That's what people like, are really going to re- filter. Realistically, into the they only know the top three fights on this card yeah. and you'd be lucky if they showed up for the main, you card. know, the hardcores are going to be there. The wow. people well, the, that we you, know from the community, you don't go to all the fights. You're like the people that we know in the community that are gambling, they're, that are gambling or playing DraftKings on all of these fights. They are there from fight one. That's what I, yeah. Yeah, when I always. go to fights and so always. on and so forth, but you've been to Ve- uh, you've been to Vegas. You've been to a Vegas card before, haven't you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's Fun. empty. I went to it's Nunez, really empty Nunez until Ronda the last Rousey yeah, yeah. on fucking New Year's. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like nobody's coming for the early empty. But you know what? You walk into the arena and it's like broad daylight and yeah. super hot out. So it's, a lot of people are like, "Yeah, we're gonna have drinks. We're gonna hang out. Whatever." When it starts to get dark. We're going to file into the arena. But yep. for me, it's like, do you guys not realize that Cowboy Oliveira, Tim Means is like buried on this undercard? Like you'd be a fool to not go see that. Anyways, to wrap up, I got to get going. Uh, yep. I'm going to take John Jones, be fool not to. I'll take Amanda Nunez, Ben Askren, Luke Rockhold. God, he's a coward. I'll take Diego Sanchez, Yay. Arnold Allen, Marlon Vera, Ronda Marcos. Ooh. I'm going to take Perez. I'm going to take Perez. Shabazia, Nordia, and uh, Avila. I'll have three dogs out of the 12. Lucky for me, those three dogs are actually all sizable dogs. Mm-hmm. So if it came through, it would pay uh, uh, quite nice. But but yeah, it's... Don't, don't, don't feel like you have to have action on every fight because we break down every fight or because we give leans on every yeah, like, fight. We're not like, betting on every yeah, single fight. I, I've always envisioned our show basically as like you you have an idea of the picks you like. Your gut's telling you a feeling. You look at the card and you... And you you have an opinion and then you listen to the show to hear another opinion and kind of match. Oh, are we on the same page? Does it make you think of something? Did we, did we add something that maybe you didn't think of, or do you still have the same pick? You know, it's all in good fun, but you bring your insight to the table and we try to help out. And in this case, the three dogs, they look like not very appealing dogs, but if we're on the same page, you like them too, then let's fucking do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You had a greasy theory about John Lineker. You promised the people a greasy theory about John Lineker during the show. You said we will get that to this at the end of the show. Now you don't no, remember, no, do you? I, no, I say half of them don't remember. But I said put it in the comment section, so I was keeping it. All right. That wraps it up for us. Thank you, Cody Saftik, for breaking down the fights with us, as always. Thank you to producer Chad. That's Give him a follow at C-H- no, H-A- no, no. Don't follow him until he changes it. We had a deal last week. We were going to get him a good handle, and he's going to change the handle. Now, we've given away free DK okay. bucks, and he hasn't even fucking changed it. Thank you to Cody. It's a bunch of H's and a bunch of D's still. So it's C-H-H-A-D-D. You get on Twitter and you heckle Chad. Okay, heckle tell him, Chad. Tell him to and then change, follow him if and he then follow him if he changes it, or if he just yeah, just give him a follow or or just heckle him. Start with a heckle, see how he handles it, and, it and then you can go from from there. Anyway, for Cody and Chad, I am Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience.